Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by Three Lions Pub, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. From the NWSL, MLS, U.S. national teams, and all the way to the youth levels. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan, how are we doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Baxter. I'm uh, good. I good don't have it. much sleep once again, so, you know, I'm really overtired. You know, I usually have creamer in my coffee. I've been drinking that black, you Ooh. know, just to keep myself going. Holy I'll probably cow. pay for that a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, well. you know, it's all, it's all good things. Coaching a lot of soccer, directing yeah. a show. Hanging out with my kids, hanging out with my wife. It's uh, life is a great thing. It's a that's, beautiful thing. That's a great thing to hear. I'm so glad to hear that. How about, how about yourself? I'm doing well, honestly. Very tired as well too. Uh, my son's been sick on and off the last couple uh. of days. It's just that time of year. I was sick for a couple of days. Now he's kind of got it, and mom's got it a little bit too. So we're kind of just passing the sickness around the house for a little while and exchanging lack of sleep as well too. But either way, though, we're, we're, we're spending time together as a family. There you go. So it's great. <laughs> we're bonding in a in weird ways, I guess. It's Coughing fun. together, sneezing yes, together, exactly. whatever it takes. Exactly, exactly. It's all for the good of the family. That's all that matters. But anyway, uh, aside from that, we hope that you're not sick of us because we appreciate (laughs) you listening to us. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. Uh, Two exciting interviews as well. Uh, We'll have Melissa Tancredi of uh, the Canadian Women's National Team joining us in our next segment. A great interview with her. She's playing her final match for the Canadian Women's National Team on February 4th, her farewell game. It's the bronze medal uh, uh, celebration game, I guess, for the Canadian National Team also after their Olympic heroics. Uh, So that'll be an emotional night for all players involved, but for Melissa especially, too, as she hangs up her boots internationally for the final time as well. So that's going to be exciting to hear from her. Absolutely. And then we're going to hear from first-round draft pick of the New England Revolution, Brian Wright, in our fourth segment to uh, hear his thoughts about uh, what it's like to be in MLS now and uh, some other exciting things that Simon and I poke him about, about uh, coming from University of Vermont and just uh, his career aspirations and what it's going to be like to play again uh, with Kai Kamara and Monagadello and so many other players as hey, well. Inter- interesting fact, Baxter. I don't have their names here, but there were two other players drafted out of the University of Vermont, oh, and, were they? Okay. and they both played for the New England Revolution. Look at this. I love it. We'll have to check the stats, I guess. But uh, either way, two great interviews that you're not going to want to miss. Uh, if you have missed other shows before, we invite you to go look at our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, to find past information. You can also go to iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, and iTunes as well uh, to get all the information and uh, past episodes as well. Yeah, and check us out on Facebook. That's where we post our schedule. Uh, our personal schedules are pretty crazy right now, so uh, we figure out when we can do these shows. We do them once a week now, uh, so if you want to know when they're going to air, uh, not always able to do them live, but uh, we, we certainly try to. Anyways, you can find the information there on Facebook. You can also check us out on Twitter, at 2 Upfront Soccer. Check out our personal feeds if you'd like, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, uh, first and foremost, you have a special thing to say, I do. You? i, I got to give a little shout-out, Baxter. Please uh, do. Uh, so I... I'm coaching once again at Strike FC, as I've mentioned before, and uh, doing actually some baseline training. I was asked to come in and and assist on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays. No, this is how crazy my schedule is. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So the first practice, I meant to say this last week too, but the first practice, I I enter the facility, I find out what team I'm with, and... Lisa Colligan is uh, is coaching these young kids, and she's the one I'm, I'm helping out. I went up to her, I said, "Hey, I'm Simon." And she goes, "Oh, hey, it's uh, it's kind of weird." I said, well, "What's weird?" <laughs> well, you're and weird. She said Gosh, to, uh, what? to to put a a face with the voice. 
I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, I, yeah, I should have told you. I listened to two up front. Oh. And I was like, oh, cool. So found out that she found us through iTunes and, and really appreciates the NWSL coverage we do. And, wow. and she actually weeds out those shows that she doesn't feel does a good job covering NWSL. So we've made the cut. Huzzah. Uh, so, so Lisa, thank you for listening. Of course, I'll yeah, be seeing you, you in, in just a little while here. But, uh, <laughs> but thanks for being a loyal listener. Yeah, we certainly appreciate that. How cool. Especially, uh, it's always fun to meet people that... Um, aren't friends of ours basically to yeah. an extent you, they're like oh you know hey you know it's always funny when they talk to you about the show and don't realize that you're a part of the show as well it's like yeah i listen to the show and you know, it's baxter and simon i'm like oh my name's baxter <laughs> oh my gosh you're part of it it's always kind of fun to do too but but thank you lisa we appreciate your support and we hope that our nwsl coverage among other things is uh, up to up to par so Thank you very much. Uh, all right, Simon, uh, a couple of U.S. national team things to get to, uh, but uh, you, you also had another player that you wanted to talk about as well, too. He's on the U.S. men's national team radar. We've seen him yeah, a little bit, but uh, people are excited about him, especially across the pond, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to kick off our kick around, which is brought to you by Too Much Metal for one hand. You can check them out at TooMuchMetal.com. They, sh- they sell basically rad things rad for rad things people. Rad people. We're so, pretty uh, rad ourselves. So, yeah, we, we love the sponsorship. But yeah, we got to kick off the show, Baxter, our kick around with Emerson Hinman. Hinman. I always get that name wrong. I don't always say Hindman because that Y is in there. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Uh, anyways, listen. Emerson, come on the show and explain exactly. it. Exactly. He had a great outing with Rangers in the Scottish Premier League going 90 minutes, scoring a beautiful goal uh, just this last weekend, solidifying the win against Motherwell, 2-0. Listen, he's getting lots and lots of love, Baxter. Of course, he's coming over from the Premier League. He's on loan for the Rangers, and already the fans are saying, can we have him longer, please? (laughs) Well, anytime a player scores for a team, usually that's going to prompt that sort of a response, too, where people are like, we love him. we got to keep him. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't just his goal. Going back and watching seven minutes of highlights, he's in every single one, making really? great passes, reading the field incredibly well. Listen, the goal he scored, he started from the back, laid the ball off, made a run all the way up the field, got the ball back, and slams it into the goal. Uh, he's only 20 years old. He's an American. you got to believe you're going to see this kid with the U.S. national team sooner rather than later. I certainly hope so, yeah. Especially we've seen you know other players in the past go through the go through Rangers, also be a part of the U.S. national team as well. Marisa Du for a while as well was a crucial part of how Rangers' success was, and now, to see a guy like Emerson as well make the rounds, I think, is spectacular. I didn't realize he was only 20. I've known about him for a couple of years, but I didn't realize he was only 20. I thought he was older. Yeah, he was in the uh, Fulham Academy and actually made his professional yeah, yeah, debut Fulham. W- with Fulham. Uh, and he hasn't had much playing time with Burnmouth, who he's with now. Sure. Um, so... And that's one of those things, too. So Burnmouth's going to be looking at this saying, oh, okay, maybe this kid can actually play. You hate to see him come back to to a club like Burnmouth that, you know, continues to struggle yeah. or, or be that lower mid-tier not club in, well, in the yeah. Premier League. And you'd hate to see him sit on the bench there. So so why not stay with Rangers if you can? Convince Burnmouth to perhaps sell you there permanently if things continue. You know, I understand yes. it's one game, and we, we can always get excited, but to make that impression in your first 90 minutes, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, Burnmouth, uh, 14th currently in the Premier League, 7 Eleven and five overall, twenty six points. Did you know that Swansea's not in relegation? I did zone? know that. Yeah, oh they had another win. 21. Well, their big win was three two against Liverpool. Twenty one points currently. Yeah, hmm. Bob Bradley's sitting there going, "Yeah, if I'd only I had the time." Perhaps, hmm. but I will say that two of the players that got sold from Swansea were Bob Bradley's were two of Bob Bradley's starters. So ah, well, what are you going to do? I guess yeah. At, transfer at the season same, just finished up. Too. It did, and I, I was going to say at the same time, Liverpool man, they got a tough stretch. Eleven games in forty four days, so they're basically averaging or in forty days, so one game every four days for them. Of course, they did it to themselves by by uh, having to play a replay. In True. the FA Cup, uh, but yeah. man, what what a what a dive they are taking! It's incredible. Yeah, they uh, they find themselves all the way in fourth place currently after being top of the league. Chelsea now fifty six points, Spurs in second, and Arsenal in third. Even though they're kind of tied with Spurs, but Spurs owns the tiebreaker. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Premier League as much as we do enjoy them. Everton seventh place, by the way. Yeah, and they're doing really Hanging well. Around, yeah. They're actually doing really well. I I could see it. if they keep playing the way they are, and Liverpool keeps playing the way they are, I could see Everton sneaking perhaps up into that sixth place, maybe even a Europa League Ooh. spot. Ooh. By the end of the ambitious. season, ambitious, very ambitious. Yeah, okay, a good, good transfer season as well. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That always helps. All right. Lastly here, before we have to run to our first break and then have Melissa join us next segment, uh, U.S. men's national team tying with Serbia 0-0 a couple of days ago. Uh, A lot of people raving about the play of Darlington Nagby. As well as they should be. Going for 87 minutes with two shots. uh, Dynamic play with and without the ball. And uh, it was also good to see a lot of players coming off the bench as well, too. Jose Villafania, who you've been very vocal uh, about about and happy about. Got 21 minutes during the game. Chris Pontius got some time. Sebastian Legit did very well also, 45 minutes from him. Uh, Overall, not a terrible game. You'd like to have seen some goals scored. Uh, Nick Romano was called into action three times. Serbian's goalkeeper uh, only got called to action one time with a save, but... Not not terrible. We also kind of expected this kind of a game, too. You especially were like, it's going to be a draw. I thought there was going to at least be goals, but you, with a draw, at least got that properly. Yeah, look, you, you basically had a USB team playing against the Serbian B-C team yeah. out there. Uh, you know, Serbia was, was blooding some of their younger players as well. Bruce Serena just wanted to knock some of the rust off these MLS players and give some guys who haven't been there in a while a chance to play for the, for the U.S. team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if Nagby stays with the team and then you, you, know, you do have your European players come in mm-hmm. uh, soon here in March for World Cup qualifiers. Nothing too surprising in this game. As you said, Nagby was, was, was the man of the match, really, for, yeah. for both teams. Um, Perhaps you can be a bit disappointed with Graham Zuzi's play in the back. Um, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to see too much of the game as a whole, there, but I was curious about your your thoughts on Zuzi's play. Yeah, there play. wasn't there wasn't too much to see. Yeah, he played all. he played ninety minutes. He but, did. Yeah, there, yeah, like you said, there wasn't much to really to be no. And, about. and to be to perfectly honest, Baxter, there's a lot of conversations out there about what happened in the game. There's really nothing I can add to it yeah. other than other than uh, I saw the game. As uh, the former NFL coach Denny Green would say, we they are who we thought they were. Yeah, that the game was what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, a, a draw that was quite honestly a bit boring. I was very disappointed with the turnout when when you know that your market is up for MLS expansion and you can't get a decent amount of people out there in San Diego. Yeah. What does that say? That says a lot, honestly. All right, um, no, I think we got to go to a break, don't we, Simon? I think it's about, it's about that time, honestly. Yeah, we can talk U.S. Jamaica later. Yeah, perhaps. they play on Friday. That one's on FS1, 6 p.m. Central Time for those. It's of you basically who. an MLS All Star game, which is kind That's of exciting. Yeah. It's cool to see that two nations in Concacaf being represented by vast majority of MLS players. So. I don't know. It'll be a fun game. We'll talk about it at the end yeah, of the show. Yeah. All right. Next up, Melissa Tancredi, uh, Canadian women's national team. We'll talk to her. And so much more right after this. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the studio. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, as we roll along with the program, not the Provan, the program, a reminder to go check out our social media handles, Two Up Front uh, on Facebook, at Two Up Front Soccer on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan as well. Uh, we don't have a hashtag, do we? Hashtag two up front? No. We should, we should try to start one, but I, I'm cool. always fearful that once we start a hashtag <laughs> campaign, it's going to backfire on us. Yeah, we've seen... We don't want to be like the North Carolina Courage and just get people to roast That's us for, right. for saying the wrong thing, honestly. All right, well, let's move along with our first interview today. Simon, joining us now on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Some might say she is a legend. We know she's a legend, especially when it comes to the Canadian women's national team. She is also a former Fighting Irish alum of University of Notre Dame. She is Melissa Tancredi of the Canadian Women's National Team, and she joins us now. Melissa, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Doing well. We're excited to have you on the program today. Uh, Definitely a very interesting time right now for you, Melissa. You're just a couple of days away from that final international match uh, for the Canadian Women's National Team. Um, what, what's going through your head right now? I'm sure you've been asked that question a lot, but you know, how, how are you feeling? You know, how's the body feeling? How's everything you know, looking going up to the game? Well, it's kind of crazy. I've been in normal working mode for a bit as a chiropractor, so to be back in a camp setting you know, brings back all the memories and, uh, yeah, a lot of crazy mixed emotions. Obviously, I'm extremely excited to move on in my career but at the same time it's it's sad to leave this kind of structure and leave this team at this time you know things are changing for for the better and you know i know that we've left it in a better place than 
you know, I came onto this team. But, you know, to leave the program right now when it's really on its high, you know, number four in the world, it's, it's a bit bittersweet. I can certainly imagine that, too. I mean, you've appeared over 100 times with the Canadian women's national team. You scored over 20 goals as well, too. I mean, it, it really seems that you have been a part of those those crucial years because there were some years, and I know you know this, that the Canadian women's national team, nobody really knew about you. And then there's this, been this massive <laughs> surge over the last, I would say, probably six or seven years that everyone's like, holy cow, Canada has it together. And you've obviously been a huge part of that. But what what have been some of the things that you've noticed that you that you've been able to do so well at the national team level? I mean, obviously you've had incredible players around you as well too. But how how has the Canadian women's national team continued to grow so much over the last couple of years? Oh, I think you know the funding involved as well has kind of taken us to the next level. Um, the sports science behind it, you know, the staff that we're able to put behind this team from the head coach all the way down to our mental coach. Uh, our nutritionists, our athletic therapists, our physios, just, you know, the supporting staff behind us. But at the same time, we're, we're kind of, we have an in- infrastructure now where you're kind of guaranteeing players that are able to compete at an Olympic Games at the age of 17 and perform at that level. It's just something that we've never seen in Canada before, that kind of depth. And it's great for the continue, like to continue this sport in this country and to see no, I'm 35 year old, but we have 16 year olds that are able to, you know, compete at the same level. Yeah. It's pretty crazy that you know that this team's in good hands for the next 10, 15 years. So I think that's a major change for us. Along with that, Melissa, you have played with a number of different clubs and a number of different different leagues, uh, all the way back from the the USW League, of course, the WPS, NWSL. You've played in Sweden. What's it meant to you to have such a prolonged playing career, and how have you seen the game change over those years? Oh, I think it's very important. I, you know, I'm proud of myself for able, you know, to stick in there physically. I feel very, very strong still at my age now. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a testament to how I've taken care of my body and, and the staff around me who have helped me take care of my body at the same time. But you know, the game's changing. The game's faster. Uh, the game's more tactical. Um, it's it's an exciting time for women's sports, especially women's soccer. You know, the more tacticians that are getting inside women's teams and really changing the look of the game, it's it's nice to see. And and the players itself, we're we're getting smarter. We're understanding the game better. We're pushing ourselves. You know, our team. We've had so many different platforms. We can play so many different formations. Um, I think that's the major step for women's soccer. And I think you're starting to see it in other national teams as well. Starting to get that kind of uh, you know interchange within the the game itself, not just going out with one system or two systems, being able to change within four systems in one half. Um, so I think that's the major change of this game, as well as everyone's getting faster, stronger, fitter. It's it's really pushing the boundaries. It's um really exciting time for women's soccer. I'm excited to see what the next World Cup's going to look like. Oh, speaking of World Cups, uh, you've played in a few yourself. you played in a few Olympics. Do you have a personal favorite moment out of your entire career, especially in these international tournaments? <laughs> Uh, that's a hard one. I've even been asked which medal is, uh, you know, the more important one for me. But I think London, I for sure have to say it stands out because of what it did to this country, what it did for this team, what it did for women's soccer. You know, it put us on the map, but at the same time, it grew the sport, you know, in our in our heritage here in Canada. It's the number one sport for, for girls in our country. And um, that, to me, is exciting. That, to me, is way more important than getting medals. I think that's... Uh, that's what we're going to remember about London and how, how we captured the hearts of Canadians. I think it was 10.3 million people watched, 10.1 million wow. people watched. Unbelievable. Was, wow. That's, yeah. That game against the U.S., I think, kind of blew up everyone's television. Yeah. And I think that's what <laughs> kind of, you know, won a lot of people over. Now, I'm curious, Melissa, you said that this is obviously, you know, you're, 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 you're finally wrapping up your career, but... If, if an offer came along, would you consider playing another club season, even if it was like in the NWSL, somewhere maybe a little bit closer to where you call home? <laughs> uh, I've actually had an offer come in right oh. away. Uh, no, idea. no idea I was retiring, because I did have a great club season. You know, I made yeah. sure I ended up on a positive note. Um, but no. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm... I'm yeah, I think the the you know the body's okay. It's just the mind. The mind is ready to move mm. on. I think I've already moved on a bit. So I have so many more challenges in the real working world. So, well, what, that's uh, what's going on. What is post playing career for you, Melissa? What what's next for you? 
Uh, well, I've started practicing as a chiropractor uh, here in Vancouver. Are you taking yes, new clients? So that <laughs> I am always. I'm in Phoenix <laughs> right now. Yes, I'm in Gastown in Port Moody. Um, but I'm going to be, you know, I have bigger bigger and better dreams from here. I want to obviously get back into this team. I think that's going to happen this year. But eventually I want to, you know, head the medical of a professional sports team, whatever sport it may be. I, I kind of want to get out of the soccer realm for a bit just to, you know, push myself and challenge myself um, in a different manner. But um, for sure, keeping sports in there and, you know, hopefully growing as a, as a professional in that realm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of know what you mean about taking a break from soccer as well i've got i've got brothers who've played professionally i played myself for a long time i've got two daughters now my oldest one doesn't play and i have to admit the day she said i don't really want to play i was kind of relieved of just being able to go (laughs) okay you know i can stand back from this my youngest one does play so you know i I coach her as well yeah yeah uh but but i i empathize (laughs) with you with wanting to take a step back from all of it at, at least for a little while absolutely yeah and i don't i don't you know, for those who want to stay in the sport, obviously good for you. But for me, it's been my life, right, for the past, I'd say, ooh, 30 years. And wow. for me to just step back and kind of, you know, grow myself a little bit outside of the soccer bubble, I think that's important for me. And to feel some sort of balance in my life right now would, you know, I'm, I am 35. I'm not like I'm a 20-year-old. I want to sure. kind of, you know, see what see what else is going on out there. I want to be able to play, you know, winter sports and, like, enjoy that <laughs> part of it. You know, which contractually I was never able to do. So Fair I'm enough. just excited about the other side of life. I can imagine that too. Yeah, I mean, and, and rightfully so. Obviously, I mean, you know, like you said, you've spent the last thirty years of your life dedicated to to one thing. I would certainly, regardless of how much success or not a person may have in something like that, it would you definitely get that itchery. Like, I really need to go do something else. And I can certainly, yeah. <laughs> I can certainly understand that. And, and uh, uh, Melissa, I'm curious too. Before we let you go, uh, looking at this Canadian women's national team and the players even just called up uh, for this match as well too. There's a lot of difference on the uh, overall you look at some of the you know the more veteran players like yourself and diana matheson and christine sinclair but it's a lot of the younger players that have people excited as well too are, are there a couple of players that have kind of stuck out to you even over the last couple of years that fans really need to be keeping a closer eye on uh, as the as their careers continue to blossom as as a whole Whew. it's honestly <laughs> to be honest it's hard to pick out a few because they've all rocks my world like i'm like so surprised they've they've really stood out in the past olympics but you know one of my few favorites i would have to say you know jesse fleming i think you know how she grew in the olympic games and we were roommates uh for a good chunk of time there so i think we have a a special bond there and i'm really excited to see her career and what what she's already done at ucla is kind of fantastic just to watch her highlight reels of her razzing some people up but uh (laughs) jesse fleming you know, Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha obviously is a mainstay. She's playing like a veteran. You don't even notice that she's a, yeah. a young kid anymore. But um, but then you have Deanne Rose, you have Nichelle Prince, um, you know, you have Rebecca Quinn, these girls that can really bring it at the next level. So it's good. Janine Becky, you know, these yeah. are, I forget they're so young because they, they honestly play like veterans. So these are all girls that are honestly going to take this country to the next level. Yeah, 100% agree with you well, on that and, one. And as you said before, Melissa, it's it, a lot of that is, is thanks to you and, and the players that you grew up playing with. So the future is definitely bright for Canadian soccer. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Melissa, we have uh, absolutely had a pleasure talking with you. Um, as as we let you go, we obviously just want to say, uh, as as supporters of women's soccer and soccer as well, thank you very, first and foremost for, for all that you've done for the game. And uh, we wish you very well uh, in your, your future endeavors and good luck in the game as well, too. Maybe maybe grab a hat trick if you've got a, got some free time there during the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect. Tell, tell coach. Tell coach to put you to give you the full 90 so you can get the hat trick. Uh, yeah. Be like, Baxter and exactly. Simon said. He'll be like, who? He'll be like, don't worry about it. Just, just let me go. Let me do it. Just do as he said. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we, we're, we're so thankful for you taking the time today, and we wish you all the best. And uh, hope to catch up with you again sometime in the future and maybe stop by the chiropractor uh, place at time if you got time for us. Perfect. Perfect. Come on in. <laughs> Sounds great, Melissa. Thank you so much. We'll talk all to right. you soon. Thanks, guys. There goes Melissa Tancredi of the Canadian Women's National Team on the shopfutsal.com call in line. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we've got more in store for you. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to mention back that didn't come up in the interview. I don't know if you know this. She holds the record for second fastest goal scored in World I Cup history for that. women, 2007. Wow. 37 seconds. Woo! My goodness. That's why she is a legend. All right, Simon, when we come back, we're going to dive into the NWSL. Paul Riley's got a new job. 
Well, same job, but he's got a new job. We'll talk about that. Some other exciting news as well, too. Stay with us. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Here in the Attention Era Media Studios, I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, great conversation with Melissa Tancredi there in our last segment. Great to hear the passion in her voice about everything going on. We know it's an emotional time, but still uh, very professional, as always, as well. Absolutely. Too. Just a great interview overall. Well, and, and you know, I, I feel extremely privileged that we're probably one of the last interviews she'll give before she's officially retired. Yeah, yep, exactly. So a very special thanks to uh, the Canadian Women's National Team as a whole uh, for allowing the interview with Melissa, and a special thanks to Melissa as well. All right, moving into the NWSL now, let's talk about a couple of uh, different things taking place right now. A good friend of the show, Paul Riley, actually has a job officially. We speculated, we thought for sure, especially when he was uh, a part of the coach's picture at the NWSL draft, representing the North Carolina Courage, but wasn't officially their coach at that draft, which is kind of weird when you think about it. Uh, But now, officially, he was announced as the next head coach, or the first head coach, rather, of the North Carolina Courage, rather, the de facto Western New York Flash. So, it made sense. We thought it was going to happen. Now, it officially has happened. Yeah, as you said, Baxter, it makes total sense. And he was so important to that club when they were the Western New York Flash. Yes. Young team, mixed with some... Older veterans in there. He, he was vital. I think that's a board you were just... The, yeah, just, vital. Yeah. He, yep. was, he was vital to that championship team. So to have him back, to have these players under this guy who, who just seems to know how to get his players ready for games, whether it's a regular season game that's midway through the season or an NWSL championship game, he knows how to handle his players. He certainly does, and the fact that he's keeping virtually all of them... And, you know, he hasn't really lost anybody. You haven't seen Lynn Williams or Sam Mewis or any of the other dynamic players move to other teams. So he's basically getting the exact same cast back. They've picked up a couple of other players throughout the draft and offseason as well. This is going to be a Courage team that's going to be very dangerous again in 2016 and 17. Absolutely. That was one of the things that Paul and I talked about at the NWSL Championship is how important is it is it to get all these players back. And he said it, it's the most important thing going into next season. This was, of course, before they knew they were moving. Uh, but one of the players he singled out was Jessica McDonald. Yes. You know, saying that it's not just her play on the field, it's her leadership in that locker room. So he's going to have his, his leader back himself back, and just about every single player, young players like Sam yeah. Lewis out there, who, who is a bit of a heartbeat of this team. And I, I wonder, too, like, is it, is it weird if, you're, uh, if you are on the, the Flash team and you, you, know, you wear your championship shirt around the locker room or just in general? Like, is it weird to be like, well, that's, you're representing a team that's not us but is us but doesn't exist anymore? Like, is that, I don't know, how, is that, would that be weird? I don't, I don't think it is. No, I don't think so. Listen, you want a championship. You have a right to wear whatever you yeah, want to wear. exactly. Like, I feel like if they get, I think they get rings as well, too, for, for winning the championship like most major sports do. And, you know, if you wear your championship ring or Paul Riley decides to wear his ring on the sidelines, I mean, people aren't going to be like, you coach the Courage now. What are you doing? I mean, how many NFL coaches do you see wear rings from former teams sure. that they're now coaching that have nothing to do with it? Well, and it's the it's the fact of life with sports now. It's not like, you know, yeah. when I was growing up, I, I don't know about when you were growing up, but players wanted to stay with the same team their entire career. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't see that much anymore. Now, it's not always because of the players. A lot of times it happens to be with the team trading players. Usually the financial you know, so, sides, yeah. So for somebody to win a championship with another team and end up somewhere else, that, that is not unusual. So, of course, you want to sport the rings that you've won. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Well, one player that was a part of the Western New York Flash for most of the 2016 season before she got traded was Adriana Leone. Now, Simon, she finds herself back in NWSL. She was traded to FC Zurich in Switzerland. Now she's back. She's part of the Boston Breakers, of course. Who else would she be a part of, right? right. Well, you know, let's just be clear. It wasn't a trade. She had asked for a release from the Western New York Flash. Uh, But, yeah, now she's she's back in Boston where she started her NWSL career to begin with. Yeah, I mean, she's only 24 years old, so she definitely has time on her side. Uh, Just she's waiting for the pending receipt of a a P1 visa and international transfer certificate. Uh, Aside from that, though, I mean, she's going to be back in NWSL. This is an attacking player that uh, we've already heard Coach Matt Beard last week on the show 
expressed that you know defensively they're set, so they're just trying to rebuild the offense as well. And Leon is a player that that knows how to score goals and is experienced internationally as well. So her experience, even though young, is going to be vital to Boston's success now in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you can get a Canadian international who has World Cup experience yeah. on your squad, whether she comes off the bench or does end up starting. That's a good thing to have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Side note, did you see the, the, I don't know if it was intentional or not, the little jab that Matt Beard threw at Tom Sermani on our Twitter? I did, did not you, see you that. did not see that? So last week, we after every show, we always tweet out the show and thank the guests on, and we tag both Matt Beard and Tom Sermani in. And Matt Beard responded to the show tweet and saying, hey, you know, I think, he's, I think he, he said something to the fact of, great show. Um, not sure about Tom Sermani, LOL. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I should touch this. And I, I didn't. I left it alone. But I sat there for a good like 15 minutes just being like, I don't, I don't know how to react to this. I was like, is he being funny? Is he being serious? I was like, Tom didn't respond at all. But I was waiting for someone to pick on that and be like, oh, okay, Matt Beard just throwing a little shade yeah, there. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. I think we know Matt well enough now that we can say, I'm sure he was having, having a little oh, fun. Yeah. And hey, I'll tell you what, I invite every everybody who comes on our show and learns about the guests that are on the show with you, feel free to go at each of other. Of course. Of course. <laughs> have fun Just tag us every time so we, yeah, we make exactly. sure we can follow along. <laughs> exactly. But I thought that was absolutely funny as heck though i thought it was great too i'm gonna have to look here as well as we're talking about it but just um a special thanks to the people we had people tweeting at our our, our two up front account. we did uh, yes people yes. were thanking us and voicing their frustrations we talked about the all-star game in chicago last week yes. and there was one fan she's <laughs> like i live in chicago and i hate trying to get there basically i'm trying to find her name here but i thought it was great that, that people um were voicing their frustrations that are shared by so many people uh, in that regards. Uh, uh, by the way... Kale Parker, yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. No, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I did see that conversation uh, with our Twitter feed and Kale, and I did laugh my head off. <laughs> uh, nothing that I would encourage people do. You can check out the tweet yourself at 2UpFrontSoccer, but yep. uh, but th- that was pretty funny. I, I'm still frustrated it's not a bridge view, though. I get that it's a drive, yeah. but, but uh, you know, the people of Bridgeview were promised that these type of events would come to... Uh, their stadium there, and, and now it's at Soldier Field. I wonder how much it would be different if Peter Wilt were still pulling the, pulling the strings yeah, in, the, yeah. in, the, in the Chicago Fire. I, know? I do wonder. Just out of curiosity. I, I'm banking on the fact that it's going to be Barcelona that's coming over, and here's why. Really? Uh, here's why. Okay. Because MLS has already said Barcelona will not be coming over. So I'm going with it's going to be Barcelona. <laughs> I, I'm confused now. Please explain. I, it just seems like that whenever the league tries to deny something, then it actually that's, a, that's actually what happens. Huh. That's all. So they're like, no, it's not Barcelona. Actually, I don't know if it was a fist of the league that came out, or if it was one of those. Maybe I was Brian Strauss of the uh, of oh. Sports Illustrated sure, who sure. said I've got a source that said it's not Barcelona. Going to be Barcelona. Which that's that's actually why I think it will be Barcelona because anytime you tend to read. A source has said yeah. it tends to happen the opposite way. Usually they're yeah. like, say it's not them until we get it confirmed because we don't want to make it seem... Because if it falls through, we don't want to be those guys kind of thing. That's that's funny. I didn't realize that. But that would make sense, though, because you would likely fill Soldier Field if you bring Barcelona and Messi and Suarez and Neymar come. I don't right. know if all three right. would come for preseason, but... You'd maybe if you get at least in one or two of those guys in, you're going to have a packed house. You, you yeah, will. absolutely. And then people will be like, oh, and MLS is here too. Hi, guys. Like, that, that, unfortunately. Well, speaking of Barcelona, she's not with Barcelona, but there was an Henri that played at Barcelona. Yes. And WSL has their own Henri. I see Henri. the tie. I see Amadine, the tie. Uh, Henri. You got there. I played, see where yes, you're going. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, she's a midfielder for Thorns FC. She's actually going on loan, short-term loan. Short-term. Which is nice to see. Uh, going over to Paris Saint-Germain, though. Ah, so PSG. Heading, yeah, so she's going to take on Alex Morgan in the Women's French League there. Yeah. Lyon yeah. versus PSG. Hmm. Yeah. Um, sure. I, I don't have a problem with it, I guess. I mean, you, she's one of the our, people are, are saying that she's arguably one of the best players in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you consider she made her debut in the 2016 Rio Olympics for France, France has a strong women's national team. Um, she finished up. 2015-16 as a runner-up for the UEFA Best Women's Player in Europe Award. So yeah. this is a very strong player. Of course, it was a big deal when the Thorns sold her. So going back home, just trying to Signed keep in her, shape. Not sold her, right? That insult. That insult. No, did I say so, so, sold? sold? I was geez, like, yes, I thought they signed her. I think they me. sold her. Wow. Yeah, no, for signing her was, was down, a big deal. Calm down, Portland. Calm down, fans. She's still a part of the team. She's just on loan. <laughs> That's why we do this show together. 
<laughs> Ooh, you had me worried for a second there. My goodness. All right, one other final thing we want to talk about. Uh, Simon, you've got more of the... Uh, wow, this is terrifying. I'm looking out the window, and there's just snow whipping past. Wow. It was, it was sunny. It was very sunny when we It was sunny when we, when we got to the studio. We have a beautiful view of downtown Milwaukee, and I looked to my left, and it was just... We look like we're in a snow it's, globe. It's, it's almost like a, a sideways snow. It's not even like coming straight down. It's terrifying. Wow. Anyways. Well, I'm glad to be inside where it's warm. Um, uh, exciting news for the NWSL, potentially. They're announcing tomorrow... Uh, some are saying a network deal with A&E Networks to probably stream or broadcast NWSL games. Yeah, I, I got to believe it's going to be a broadcast agreement, Baxter. A&E Networks, uh, they're owned by Hearst and Disney. Hmm. So you may have an in there with ESPN oh, as well with, with get Disney a couple involved. Games on, yeah. yeah, but it, they between those two, they have 11 television channels. So you got to believe that this is going to be games on on that network, or the, I sh- should say the networks, mm-hmm. uh, but with 11 television channels between those two entities, which make up the A&E networks, you got to believe that these games are going to be on, on national television. And I think to an extent that's not terrible. And I was, I was t- voicing this off the air to you saying that, well, a lot of people don't have cable or don't want to pay for it, but you were saying that A&E is one of those basic you think one of those networks you get on basic cable right, basically right and again this is the ANE network so it's not the ANE channel true uh, it's the ANE network so so we see we'll see what happens with that but listen this has got to be a big deal with the amount of players that they're going to have at the announcement. Rose Lavelle, Stephanie McCaffrey, Christy Mewis, Samantha Mewis, Alyssa Nair, Christy Rampone, Lynn Williams are all going to be there. Uh, so there's, this is going to be a big deal. And, and hopefully, you would hope that this isn't a matter of the league paying the A&E networks, but rather perhaps the other way around. I don't know if they have that type of power yet, Certainly but would be nice. you'd like to see that. Yeah, I would 100% agree with you, honestly. I think that we're definitely seeing the NWSL continue to grow, which I think is important, and you and I are big advocates for it, uh, and the fact that we continue to see such positive things come from the offseason, and just in general, I think this network deal, I think people would be foolish if they thought that ESPN or Fox Sports were going to say, hey, look, we're going to come, we're going to give you blah, 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 million dollars to do every single game on our network. It's just right. not, not, they're they're not, not at that yet. point. Right. They're not at that right. point yet. But uh, this is a good stepping stone. A&E Networks as a whole are established. They've been around for a long time. This isn't some startup network that's saying, let's do the NWSL. It's like, right. no, they're, they're established. They know how to do this business of sports, among other things, and I think it's going to be a positive thing overall for them. Yeah, and, and uh, absolutely. It's interesting because there are people on Twitter kind of freaking out about this, saying, oh, no, this means, you know, what it, this probably means we can't get the games on YouTube anymore. Look, that, that may be true, but if you want your league to grow, these are the kind of deals you want to yeah, have happen. exactly. You don't see too many MLS fans complaining about their games being on YouTube, which they're not. You know, right. That's the thing. Like, yeah. granted, for someone like me who, I mean, you and I split our MLS Live account, which Shh. is... <clears throat> Anyway, you didn't hear that. Uh, we we each have an MLS Live account um, and uh, do it that way. But, you know, like that, aside from that, I get a little frustrated at times, though, when it comes to trying to watch MLS games. I'm like, I don't have cable, especially, yeah, sure, as, a, especially sure. as a Revolution fan. You know, like they play, what, two times on national <laughs> television this in 2017? Like, it's just, it's a hard franchise to be a fan of, okay? That's just the honest truth about it. But it's all good. That's why I'm a true fan. There I you will go. Not, I will there not back go. down. Okay, let's but go to th- a break. Th- that's also why you have your MLS Live. Exactly, so I can actually watch the revolution <laughs> in all there were. Speaking of the revolution, Simon, we've got an un- a revolution guest on our next segment, Brian Wright, the 20th overall pick in the 2017 MLS Super Draft. will be joining us right after this. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the Attention Area Media Studios here from beautiful downtown Milwaukee. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan calling in for a, let's be honest, pre-recorded interview. We weren't going to try to fake it since you literally just heard from Simon and I in the studio. Now Simon's on the phone. But um, Simon just didn't want to be in the same room as me for this interview, I guess. He was like, we're talking about the revolution. Nope, can't do it. Got to go outside and call from the lobby. No. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, it's just your your fanboyness. Oh, come on now! Kind of bumps me out of the studio. So. I I feel like anytime we talk, we talk about the Timbers way more than we talk about the Revolution. I feel like on the show. Okay, touche. You got me there. <laughs> but I I'm always excited though um, when we have a Revolution player on, and you get excited, of course, when any Portland players, both men or women, come on the show. So uh, we've got an exciting opportunity here, Simon, to to welcome on Brian Wright. He's the first round draft pick of the Revolution from the MLS Super Draft, twentieth overall out of the University of Vermont. He's going to be wearing the number seven this year for the Revolution, and he joins us now on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Brian, welcome to Two Up Front, sir. How are you? Thank you. Um, I'm doing well. How about you? Doing well, Brian. We're excited to have you on the program. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations on being drafted as well, too. Uh, an exciting time, no matter what the sport is. Anytime a, a team puts their faith in you, especially a first-round draft pick, that's got to be exciting. Uh, what were your emotions when you when you got that call and saying, hey, we're, we're taking you number 20, you're coming to New England? Um, it was a pretty good feeling, to be honest. Um, I was kind of nervous at first, but I'm more nervous to give a speech. Um, I got up on stage, but after that, like, um, kind of like a surreal feeling, finally getting drafted, feeling like, um, years of hard work has paid off. Yeah, Brian, uh, you had a fantastic senior year out of the University of Vermont, uh, second team All-American, first team All-East, first team All-Conference, basically anything you can mention, including the semifinals for the Herman Trophy. Uh, you're coming to the Revolution as a forward, obviously there's a lot of competition at that position, uh, Juan Agadal is already there, Lee Wynn, oh. Kai Kamara. Uh, so how do you see yourself fitting into this team, at least for the first year? Being optimistic, I guess. Just come in, try and learn what they can, fit in, and try to help the team when I can and wherever I can. We saw that a lot last season with uh, a lot of the players that the Revolution had. I mean, I know uh, Femi was a Femi Hollinger Jensen was one of those players that kind of came on as one of the the super sub, and then unfortunately he's not with the team anymore. But do you do you look to be more of that you know sixty five minute plus forward burst of energy? Uh, in has Coach Heaps talked to you about it, like what your potential role might be? Or are we waiting to see what what preseason is going to kind of hold for you? No, we haven't talked about that. So pretty early, like four days in preseason. So. Um, I haven't really gone into detail in terms of specifics yet, but like I said, like, wherever I can help the team and do my part, and I, and I definitely agree with you on that one too. Anywhere that you can, obviously, that's what a lot of players want, and that's what coaches want to hear as well too. Like, hey, if you know, I just want a player that's going to be able to help the team, and no matter what, basically, it looks like. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to know too, Brian, uh, why you chose the number seven for your jersey number. I know that's always a big deal, especially a first time professional. Uh, why the number seven, and does it have any significance to you at all? Either I just been wearing number seven for a while. Um, it was actually my first number that I had uh, competitively, and then. Um, I switched a few years back and forth between 8 and 10, and then from like when I was 14 off until even in college, I got the number 7, and then I saw that no one on the revs was wearing the number 7, so I said, why not? So I was fortunate that I came here in the brilliant, and I was fortunate enough to get it. So Brian, uh, you know, you've got, you've got a really cool thing to add to your name coming again out of the University of Vermont, only one other player in, in American sports history has been ever drafted in the first round, and that was back in 1947. So you know, what, what kind of pride do you have being drafted in the first round of, of a major league sport? And uh, as I said, the first one since 1947 out of the University of Vermont. Uh, I, I actually didn't know that, but I guess like <laughs> that's pretty cool. I haven't really been thinking about that too much since the draft has just been focused on preseason and just getting ready for the season, so um, to hear that, I guess it's an honor, but we're trying to stay focused on what's ahead. Now, now, talking with you, Brian, uh, it's obvious that you're you're more of a, a soft-spoken kind of guy off the field. What, what's Brian Wright like on the field? You scored 14 goals and 12 assists last year at Vermont, so you obviously were doing something right and were being vocal about getting the ball at your feet, but how do you how do you approach every game from when you're actually on the field, and what are you looking to, to try to do, especially this season, to, to make an impact? Um, just when I get my chances to finish. I mean, at UVM, like, um, my teammates would just find me the ball when they could, uh, I would do what I can back at UVM. So basically, like, I'm not trying to change anything up too differently. I don't want to change anything differently because clearly what I was doing worked and helped get me drafted. So I'll say I'm not changing my game too much. But, like, like I said, like, when I get my chance to just take them. 
What's one thing that you're you're looking the most forward to uh, about playing for the New England Revolution this upcoming season? Um, like the atmosphere. I know we have a great fan. Um, a lot of friends in the area still. Um, my parents are not too far from home as well. So just like everything is just a combination together of it being a perfect spot for me with like the fan base, the great players here, um, that have a long history and of course home in terms of UVM as well as home home back in Canada. Speaking of Canada, Brian, uh, obviously you've had a fantastic college career. Have there any been any conversations with the Canadian Soccer Association as far as the men's senior team? No, there hasn't. Well, that's too bad because uh, they're missing out on somebody who they should probably have in their camps. And, and uh, you know, the way you score goals, obviously Canada could really use that. So we'll have to get on the phone with them for you. <laughs> we'll call our contacts up. they would be like, hey, have you heard about this Brian Wright guy? He's a big, he's a pretty big deal. Do you have, uh, just going off of that, Brian, as well, too, do you, aside from, do you have dual citizenship? Could you also be called into the United States national team camp or are you strictly Canadian? Um, I don't have dual citizenship for America, but both of my parents are Jamaican, so oh, I okay. te- technically wouldn't be allowed to play for Jamaica, but I mean, being Canadian-born, I definitely love to represent my home country at Absolutely. some point or another. And we know that Canada produces a lot of high-quality forwards as well, too. I mean, Simon, you and I have talked about Kyle Laren on the program numerous times and just the incredible career he's already had to, to start off and what mm-hmm. a young, dynamic forward he can be. Uh, Brian, I'm curious, too, from a forward perspective, aside from working with Juan Agudelo and Kai Kamara on a, on a day-in and day-out basis, which are two of, honestly, the very best that you can that you can work with and learn from, when you when you go into a new league, we hear about this all the time, especially when you know guys go to the NBA. You know, I'm so excited to to play against LeBron or go to the NFL. I'm excited to to play against you know Tom Brady. Is there is there players that you're excited to just share the field with and try to prove that you're not just a rookie that you can actually hold your own against? Yeah, definitely. I just I don't want to name names, but at the same time, like I don't want to like if I go in and I'm all starstruck and I'm getting distracted from what I'm really there to do. Like I'm not there to I'm no longer a fan, I'm not a player too at the same level as I'm like I worked this hard so I deserve to be on the field the same field as them. So um don't want to get caught up in the the names of the players that I'll be playing against. And uh, last question for me, Brian, um you you obviously I shouldn't say obviously, but you did sign a contract with MLS before the draft. Did you have any inkling whatsoever that New England was where you would end up? Um not per se. I knew that they they had been watching me for a little bit from my junior year when we played Boston called in the first round and they had one of the teams that I met with at the combine. So I like I had an idea but I didn't know exactly where I was gonna end up. But I'm happy that they did choose me when they did. Right. So when when they met with when when they met with you, can you shed light on, on what that conversation was like for you? What you know what they may have said to you to, to give you an idea that they were interested? Um, it was just like a straightforward conversation, just asking about me, um, with my goal, like, my, just trying to get to know me a little bit in the, the little times that I know we had, just trying to figure out my personality a little bit and whatnot. Last question for me, Brian, uh, before we let you go as well, too. Um, coming in MLS, there's obviously a lot of exciting venues that you get to play in, aside from being in Gillette Stadium. Is there one stadium that you're really excited to to go play in, uh, whether it be you know out in Portland or even the crazy atmosphere in Seattle or even, even down in Houston, for that matter, as well, too? Is there is there one specific stadium or a couple that you're just excited to just go experience firsthand as a player? Um, definitely playing at BMO Field, being... Um, Toronto being the closest franchise to me when I was growing up. Sure. <clears throat> so I have a lot of friends and family back there too that have already been saying that they're going to get tickets to the game. So definitely want to be able to make that chance and get the chance to play on, on that field. And I definitely understand that as well, too. Well, Brian, we are just absolutely excited for you uh, when it comes to this upcoming uh, MLS season. We wish you the very best of luck, and uh, we'd love to check in with you maybe midseason as well, too, to kind of see how things are working for you, all right? All right. We appreciate it, Brian. There goes Brian Wright on theshopfutsal.com. Call in line. When we come back, we're going to have more exciting action for you. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Stay with us.
Welcome back inside the Attention Area Media Studios. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Wrapping things up, just heard from Brian Wright of the New England Revolution. Great to hear from him. A, more of a soft-spoken kind of an interview. And uh, yes, if you hadn't guessed, that was a pre-recorded interview because Simon was on the phone, even though Simon has been in studio the entire rest of the show. But uh, that's just how it worked out. That's when Brian's schedule worked out as well, too. They're traveling for preseason right now down in Arizona. So we made the most of the opportunity when we had it. So very special thanks to the Revolution Organization and Brian Wright for taking some time to, to chat with us. So excited about that. Uh, MLS expansion, Simon. It is a huge topic right now. Twelve cities uh, submitting bids to be a part of the next four teams to help MLS get up to 28 total clubs. Don Garber supposedly says, no, we're good. But we all know he wants to at least push, some have said even to 30. We'll, we'll get to that a whole other time. But 12 team or 12 cities rather have announced their official submissions uh and i'm curious to get your thoughts about all 12 so all 12 okay well we can some we can be a little bit more on than others but um the first one is charlotte um i think uh looking i i have the list geographically here side by side with the map of the united states just kind of looking because we know mls has talked about trying to populate more parts of the country that are not soccer heavy in terms of MLS teams. You know, California is going to have three teams by the time LAFC comes in. Uh, Texas already has two. And then the east, the upper East Coast is already kind of full in the New England area, New York, all that fun business. So uh, Charlotte um, is definitely an open spot on the map. Uh, the CEO of Speedway Motors Sports is uh, officially helping to submit a bid for that. Uh, I don't know much about the city of Charlotte and their their passion for soccer, but um, it's always interesting to see some might say a more out of the box uh, or out of the box city submitted a, a bid. Yeah, I I don't know what to say other than exactly what you said, Baxter. Is it's hard to judge that one. Um, yeah, it's kind of out of the blue. We don't know what it's like in Charlotte, especially considering jumping the gun here, the bid that's the same uh, a bid that's in the same state, the Raleigh. Uh, Durham. Yeah. And, and that is with history there, right? It you've is. Got, you've yep. got FC North Carolina there now. You had the Carolina Railhawks, which is rebranded now into FC North Carolina. Yep. Uh, to me, that one makes more sense because you and at you least have a NWSL foundation. Team That's there right. Too. Yeah. Yep. So that one, you can't, I can't imagine they're going to take two teams from the same state. So. You know, yeah. on the surface, and that's what's so hard about this conversation for me. We don't really know what all the you know the money that's involved here, yeah. what what all the political looks are like in each city. I mean, that's that's a big part of this. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think one city that I would definitely be on board with is Nashville. That's one of the teams that have submitted a bid. I think Nashville. We've seen a lot of national team games, men's and women's played in Nashville, uh, and it's always been a, a huge success anytime the teams have gone there. Uh, Indianapolis is another big one. Let me just jump in, though. The, the, the crucial thing about Nashville, though, is they don't have a stadium plan just yet. They're still yeah, trying to work correct. one out. So, Which is a big part of that's it, That's a huge part of it, yeah. Uh, Indianapolis, I, I, I love the fact that Indy 11 has been so successful. They've got a gorgeous... Uh Stadium rendering. Yes, they do. Uh, but look, they've they've tried to get a stadium downtown before as well, and they've met big time opposition to that. Uh, you know, I'm actually. Let me just say, I am totally in favor of not making taxpayers pay for stadiums anymore. Hmm. Okay, I think it's ridiculous. To be honest with you, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's always this big game about how how the stadiums do help the economy of of the local city, but actually, all the studies show that no, it really doesn't. The most of the jobs that come in are, are during the construction phase, so you're talking about temporary jobs, and that's it. Interesting. Okay. I didn't realize that. That's certainly a good thing to know, especially when you're looking at expansion Absolutely. Uh, looking at uh, some of the other ones here quickly, uh, you've got Detroit. Uh, we know that Detroit is under a lot of opposition in general because Detroit City FC, the NPSL team, although it might be, some might say, fourth division, still draws exceptional crowds, and people are kind of saying, we don't really want an MLS team here. No, again, here in Detroit, that uh, the land that they want was earmarked for a new jail, and the city has recently announced that they're going to try to restart that project. Uh, So if that happens, again, no stadium. Yeah, exactly. And this one is saying that they're going to try to be in the heart of Detroit's sports and entertainment district. I'm not exactly sure where that is. I didn't realize Detroit was still entertaining. (laughs) <laughs> or sporty. Uh, Phoenix, that's another one. Uh, we've Newest one. A lot of MLS teams go to Arizona for preseason, so some might say, well, yeah, that makes sense. If MLS is always there anyway in the offseason, why not put a team there? Hot. 
It's very hot. That's I mean, it's it's not just Houston hot. It is. It is. I mean, 120 degrees, 110 degrees. What do yeah. you do on a day like that? Uh, their stadium rendering yeah. is beautiful. It looks like they would have it covered at least, um, allowing natural light to have natural grass. But I, I just, you know, man, I just don't know how you make how you make it work in Phoenix. I would agree with you on that one. They will. Have one thing that they maybe have going for them is the uh, USL side. Phoenix Rising is coached by uh, longtime MLS manager Frank Yellow. Very true. So there's Very that going for him. St. Louis. Uh, we we've talked about this uh, in the past before. Uh, they've got an opportunity to put a stadium in that beautiful downtown area of the St. Louis uh, region. It would be a good little uh, derby going between SKCC, uh, SKC and the Fire and even the crew as well, too. Those four teams kind right. of in that pocket. Yep. And Minneapolis, I guess, with the, with the with United as well, kind of there also. Um, I'm not opposed to St. Louis. I kind of like St. Louis, No, it's, their biggest thing, again, is they're looking for taxpayer money for their stadium, which has already been shot down. True. Uh, I think it'd be great to have a team in the heart of the country, yep. in in a city that has such a great history of soccer. I mean, you just look at that historic 1950 one over England. A lot of those guys came from St. Louis on that team. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like the idea. I just don't know if it's really going to happen. Uh, briefly, with some of the other ones, uh, you already talked about the Raleigh-Durham uh, bit. Uh, we've talked about San Antonio on the show before. I like um, it. I really like it. Spurs, enter- Spur- Spurs Sports Entertainment, they already own uh, San Antonio FC. I've heard nothing but rave reviews. And they have put their money where their mouth is. They have told the city, we will get an MLS team. If we don't, we owe you, I think it's something like $20 million. <laughs> yeah. So they believe in their product. And the San Antonio, used to be the Scorpions. Now it's, I think, uh, what, San Antonio FC or FC yep. San Antonio. Yep. Still doing really well at the gate. Uh, the beautiful, small 8,000-seat stadium. It's beautiful. They're My primed goodness. and ready. I have a friend that works or intern with them. And just to see some of the pictures that she would post and stuff about the stadium and even game time, I'm like, this stadium is beautiful. These people are very passionate. And it's not on top of Houston or Dallas. So Texas is big enough that you can have three teams Absolutely. and not feel like you're on top of each other, which I I think is what California might run into if now Sacramento, who has also put in a bid, gets one of them. Listen, I am all for Sacramento, though. They've been doing things right for years. However, Baxter, this is uh, really curious what's going on with Sacramento. Apparently, the Republic FC, Sacramento Republic FC, may not be part of this bid. Oh. It sounds like their owner, Mr. Nagel, actually may have submitted a bid without the Republic being a part of that. Ah, boy. So, Interesting. Uh, the Republic just issued a statement. If I, I know we're running short on time, but I want to read this. We are just as surprised as our fans to hear that various news outlets are reporting that a bid was submitted to MLS for Sacramento, which does not reference Sacramento Republic FC. If these reports are true, this is deeply troubling to us. This journey has always been an endeavor to elevate your team, Sacramento Republic FC, to MLS. If the bid submitted yesterday by Mr. Nagel did not include Sacramento Republic FC, it was in violation of our agreements and without our authorization, and we will take this up with the appropriate parties immediately. We want to thank all of you, wow. blah, 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 blah. This <laughs> is, always will be your team. Wow. <sighs> Trouble in Sacramento. Definitely sounds like it. And then very, very quickly, Cincinnati and then also that uh, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale area as well, too. Cincinnati had was a flash in the pan la- this last season. I think they need to be a what much more established before they can I agree consistently... With you. Yep. Bring in. I mean, that's great that you have what thirty some thousand people come to every single home game. That's awesome. Great, huzzah! Do it for three or four years, right. and then let's have a conversation. Right. And then Tampa like Bay, Sacramento has. exactly. And then Tampa Bay is trying to say, "Hey, look, we got we used to, we had the Rowdies. We know MLS kind of used to be here, but there's certainly a possibility for it. the stadium looks weird. We've talked it, about the stadium. It's like ha- it's they're, they're missing half a stadium. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, no go for me. Yep, exactly. And then San Diego also was uh, a possibility. So. Yeah, and that's all because the Chargers left. And I, San Diego's just it worked. Great in Seattle when the Supersonics left. It uh, it could work in other places. I'm just not sold on San Diego yet, Baxter. Yep, um, and I will give you about 50 seconds to tell me about the U.S.-Jamaica game. Uh, U.S.-Jamaica. So as I, as I was talking about, this looks more like an MLS All-Star game uh, than anything, which is great. Jamaica has seven MLS players on the team, of course. Uh, Blake is one of those players, but also O'Neal Fisher, Omar Holness, Ken... Kamar Lawrence, Elvis Powell, who, of course, I'm a big fan of being from the Timbers, Javon Watson, and Romario Willems. They're all basically expected to play a big role in this game. I I think we're going to see a much more fast-paced game than we saw against Serbia. This one could be fun. It could be sloppy. Who knows? But I imagine we're going to see three or four goals in this one. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Uh, Score prediction? Uh, Let's go 2-1... 
Jamaica. Ah, I had Jamaica winning this game as well, too. I think there will be goals, and like you said, fast pace. so uh, we'll definitely have to see what happens. Um, we have had a fantastic show today. A very special thanks to all people that joined us. A special thanks to Brian Wright of the Revolution and Melissa Tancredi as well of the Canadian Women's National Team. For Simon Proven, I'm Baxter Colburn. Go check out our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, and we'll be back with more next week with our manager being the one above. We are 2upfront. Like the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba ba ba